So for the last five or so weeks, we have been studying stories of Samuel, this important and yet not as well-known character from the Old Testament. Samuel, who served at time as a judge, that is a military ruling leader in Israel. He served at times as a prophet. He even functioned as a priest, making sacrifices to God. He was the one who anointed both King Saul, who we heard about and will meet in our scripture, as well as King David, who will come after him. Samuel is this super important, pivotal figure in the history of Israel. And today we conclude this series with the last time he shows up in scripture. Unlike most all the other people in the Bible, with, of course, one large exception, Samuel shows up not His last appearance is not in his death, but he appears one more time after he has died. And so we hear from the 28th chapter of 1 Samuel, an odd and strange story that occurs in the midst of a time of conflict when Israel, under the leadership of King Saul, is at war with the Philistines and David who has been anointed but is yet to actually be crowned as king, is living on the run. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul, that is the king, had expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams nor by prophets. Then Samuel said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servant said to him, There is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming out, up out of the ground. He said to her, What is his appearance? She said, An old man is coming up. He's wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and did obeisance. 
Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring with me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've mentioned before that the character of Samuel has always fascinated me. He's perhaps my favorite Old Testament character. And yet, with that said, I think this may be one of the weirdest scriptures in the entire Bible. One of the strangest stories. It sounds like the opening scene from Shakespeare's Macbeth with the three witches conjuring up a spell. Or maybe it could be a scene out of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, visit from a ghost of Christmas, past or present or future. It would make a wonderful scene in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. (laughs) Here in this opening, in this closing story, I should say, the closing story for the life of Samuel, we have an odd account of a reigning king of Israel, King Saul, Visiting a witch or a medium to summon the spirit of the dead Samuel from the grave so that the king can get some supernatural advice before heading into a battle. That's strange, strange business. Notice before the real strangeness begins, though, this scripture also gives us some insight into the character of Saul, who who he has become after that grand and glorious beginning of his story, being the strong warrior anointed to be God's chosen king, he has descended downward, downward, and downward in a spiral of fear and anxiety, downright paranoia by the end. Verbally and physically attacking anyone who he perceives to possibly be a threat to his power. And while he's spiraling downward, David has been on the rise. Gathering victory after victory. Gathering the attention and the loyalty of the people. 
David has, at this point in the story, left Israel. He's actually living among the Philistines while they are at war with Saul. And that war is not going well for Israel. Defeat after defeat. And now a critical battle is about to occur. And on the night before, we're told that Saul is afraid. That his heart is greatly troubled, the scripture tells us. The heart, we have heard as an important image all throughout these stories of Samuel. Many weeks ago, when Samuel first began his public ministry, he called the people to turn their hearts back to God. Last week, we heard in the story of Samuel anointing David, the scrawny runt of the litter, that the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And now we see how low Saul's heart has sunk. His heart was greatly troubled. And so what does Saul do? He goes against his own orders. You see, there was a time where Saul wasn't getting everything wrong. There was a time when he was getting a lot of things right. There was a time early in his career when he listened to the voice of God, when he listened to God's agents like Samuel. When Samuel said, rid the kingdom of these foreign worship of other gods, rid the kingdom of these magicians and those who seek to use religion to try to change the world and their situation for their own betterment, rid the kingdom of superstitions. There was a time when Saul had listened to Samuel. And so he outlawed the practice of dark magic in the kingdom. But now, in his fear and paranoia and distress, Saul goes against his own royal orders. He calls for a medium, a witch, to meet with him. He goes under the cover of darkness at night for this clandestine meeting in the dark. He disguises his identity so that no one can mistake him for the reigning king when he's out there doing this shady business. And what do we hear when Samuel is mysteriously summoned from the grave? Samuel gives Saul just as fierce a talking to in death as he gave him in life. Saul says, God's turned away from me. Samuel, help me. And Samuel says, don't you know whose side I'm on? If God's turned away from you, why do you think I would be any help to you? No, if God has given up on you as the king, if God has moved on to David, then Saul, your story is over. And tomorrow, you'll join me in the grave. Ooh. It's spooky. It's scary. But what's even scarier is the depth that Saul's personality has fallen to. So what's the good news in this story? I'm not really sure. Maybe it's a warning to us about how not 
to act and operate. All throughout this study of the story of Samuel, we've also been looking centuries later to see how his story intersects and echoes the story of Jesus in his own life and ministry. Both of them had mothers who sang joyful songs and prayers of triumph around the birth of their children. Both of them were called Samuel and Jesus at an early age. Both of them speak God's truth as prophet, priest. And here, I can't help but hear an echo of this strange conversation between Saul and the spirit of Samuel brought back from the dead. An echo of that story and the one that we began with this morning. The transfiguration story. You've heard it before, perhaps. Maybe you picked up on some of the details in our call to worship and in our hymn that we just sang. The story of Jesus' transfiguration. He goes up to a high mountain. He brings his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, with him. And while they are up there, they see Jesus having a conversation with two people who have been dead for centuries, Moses and Elijah, the personification of God's law and prophecy, Moses and Samuel, Moses and Elijah. Jesus in the New Testament has this supernatural conversation with the spirits of those who have gone long before him. And it's a conversation that is a powerful marking of his identity. They are talking to him, the scripture tells us, about his upcoming death and what he will suffer. Moses and Elijah are affirming him, encouraging him to face this difficult trial. And then at the end of that story, Jesus' transfiguration story, the heavens open up and from the cloud we hear God's voice saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. The contrast is quite stark. Between Saul's story of conversing with Samuel, the spirit of the dead, And Jesus' story of conversing with Elijah and Moses. In many ways, they follow a similar pattern. They go off to a secluded place. They interact with the spirits of those who have gone before. But that's about where the similarities end. The contrast is so strong. Saul's story is all about darkness of night. Jesus' story is all about the light, the brightness of God's radiance shining through. Saul goes to see a medium because God has been silent in his life. Jesus, in his story, hears God's voice breaking through the heavens, speaking loud and clear. Saul has to disguise himself and deny his true identity. But in Jesus' transfiguration, his identity is affirmed loud and clear. This is God's beloved son. Silence and speaking 
darkness and light, truth and falsehood. Two similar stories, vastly different from one another. Saul is haunted by a past that he cannot change, and therefore he seeks to conjure up some quick fix to change the present situation. Jesus, on the other hand, is lifted up by the memory of the faithful who have gone before, both at pivotal points in their lives, in their stories. When death hangs on the immediate horizon, Saul will die in battle. Jesus is beginning his long walk to Jerusalem, his long walk to the cross. Saul, from a position of power, is looking to the portents to create a change, to cheat death, to defeat his enemies. Jesus is coming from a position of weakness, of powerlessness. He knows he's going to die. He doesn't try to run away or escape. He goes to be reaffirmed in his identity before marching to the cross. There's a foolishness in Saul's search for the dead to give him wisdom. It reminds me in this weekend of Mardi Gras, of the Mardi Gras emblem of folly chasing death. Of course, for Mardi Gras, that means something quite different. But here we see the foolishness of chasing after what is already gone in hopes of changing the present. Perhaps the good news in this story of Samuel's spirit being conjured from the grave, perhaps the good news is that God has moved on. God has already been at work behind the scenes, anointing David, anointing the bright future of what is to come. Perhaps the good news is That even though Saul has turned away and focused only on his own story, God's story is still playing out. God's story of redemption and freedom, of justice and righteousness. That even those in power who turn a blind eye to the truth do not prevent God's reconciling love from working its courses out in the world. So what does this story do for us? Maybe it scares us a little bit. Maybe it teaches us something about how to handle our own fears. Maybe we see the character of Saul as a warning. How not to act. How not to let fear take over our hearts. But instead, in contrast, to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who doesn't seek to escape the cross, who doesn't run away from it or try to bargain to get out of it, but who heads on to what he knows must be done. Jesus, that crucified and risen Lord, invites his disciples to pick up your cross and follow me. And so as sacrificially living disciples, may we follow in his example, not that of Saul. May we pick up our cross and follow him.
May we see in our own past, in our own mistakes, and in the larger story of what God is at work doing, not a story of defeat and failure, but a story of resurrection life made real for each and every one of us through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen.